0: i'm part of a few high-level masterminds and yesterday i was on a call where i was reminded of something extremely important basically the setup to this is that there was a person who was complaining about his life basically there was a lot of things that weren't necessarily going the right way for him Things were very difficult. They weren't working out the way that he had liked them to be. And this is something that as entrepreneurs, we all go through. We all struggle with these exact same problems. And this was a reminder that when you're in these types of spaces, when you're suffering through these types of things, you want to make sure that your energy level is up. There is a woman who is very high in the Tony Robbins realm of things. She's a certified trainer with Tony Robbins. And she basically came on and said, look at your energy, look at your demeanor, you're sitting down, you're depressed, look at this other guy who is on a walking treadmill as, as he's on this meeting with us. Completely different energies, right? So if you feel like you're down in the dumps, things aren't going well, look at your energy, look at what it is that you're doing and change your particular situation. Get out, do walk, start moving around, get that energy flowing because what ends up happening is you start thinking in a positive fashion and you start looking at all the positives of the various different situations like yes this did go right this is the right way to be able to do things and the woman who is talking about all of this was actually saying how the day before she suffered through about 70 rejections but she had I think she said 24 yeses right so her goal is to be able to contact 100 people a day to be able to sell whatever it is that she's selling and she had a lot of rejections but she said you know What made me push through all of that was I focused on the 24 yeses that I got yesterday. And that's what makes me strive for the next achievement. That's what keeps me motivated. So always look at yourself. Always look at your energy. Always consider what it is that you are concentrating on. And if you're concentrating on the negative side of things, snap out of that and start looking at the positives, no matter what it is or how small it might be. Focus on those and that energy is going to grow for you. If you are an accredited business owner who wants to increase your net worth by investing in real estate, go ahead and check us out at investinsquarefeet.com. We are a community of other business owners who are all investing together in various real estate opportunities to be able to do exactly that, grow our net worth. Again, check us out at investinsquarefeet.com. All right, so today we have Angel Gonzalez, who is an expert on industrial real estate acquisition. As you get involved in real estate, you're gonna realize there's all kinds of verticals and different types of opportunities that you can choose to invest in. And today we're gonna be talking about industrial, and you're going to learn just how important it is that you understand the needs of your tenants and how lucrative that can be in the industrial space specifically stay tuned for that
1: i went from the single family into the office space and that was like my next iteration which quite frankly right away i, I knew early on and when we were doing the office. That it was something that was intriguing, but it wasn't something that really appealed to me because I really was like I did a multifamily space, but it was definitely something where as I started to learn more about commercial real estate, I started realizing that when you're talking about multifamily living. It's more about, it's very transactional sometimes when it comes to having tenants more, uh, you're having a little bit more frequent turnover. I did realize also that there were just a couple of different mindset differences. Like, whereas one, you're sheltering someone on the other one, you're really looking at the functionality of, of the needs of the businesses that you're housing. And then the other thing that I really started to gravitate even more towards it was the fact that I started understanding that there was an, an under an underlying tonality where the nation is in a unique place, right? They're trying to really figure out over the next decade, how can we pull more of the reshoring and onshoring efforts into the United States versus being our goods being basically, especially of so many supply shortage situation that have occurred over the last couple of years. And so I, I start realizing that in, in industrial space, you also had the ability to be part of the supply chain helping in that arena as well, and so alleviating some of that pressure. And so I started really assessing, okay, what is it about the fundamentals of multifamily that were pertinent, but that I could move over here with a different kind of a mindset? So now that I kind of transitioned from, hey, I'm not housing people, I'm housing people's businesses, so now how do I get in the weeds with them, or how can we be uh, partners along their journeys and make it so that they have the utmost of the best facilities to handle what they're trying to, to get done? And then the other aspect, too, quite frankly, back to what I said earlier, when you start talking about lease terms and how long you're having these relationships, I realize in industrial, it's a lot different because our lease terms are more like five to 10 years versus one to three years on, on some of the situations that I was seeing. And so I like that idea of more stable. It's not as it's not as sexy as some of the other asset classes, but for myself and my partners, we really just we really like that conservative approach that more of a long game, really, like I said, being alongside some of these owners. And the other thing is too, like I said, if we can double dip by helping in a different arena and a different facet too, we're gonna take full advantage of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. So talk a little bit about the, so you mentioned how you might have a, a tenant in one of the buildings for five to you know 10 years. In in multifamily, some of the other quote unquote sexier uh, industries, you have much higher turnover, but at the same time, you're able to also increase the rent essentially every year. So, how do you position yourself or how do you underwrite that? Or, I guess, plan out that, you know, what that rent is going to be for the next 10 years and make sure that you are covering yourself. Is there any type of an increase that you're able to factor into the contract so that it is increasing because you're not going to know what any of the the costs are, the expenses are, the gas prices, the insurance, all of that stuff keeps going up. So blocking yourself in for 10 years, that's obviously risky. So talk a little bit about how that mindset or that thought process works a little bit.
1: So the one major difference right off the bat that you see in, in industrial is that they are triple net leases or is what we call a column. So these leases in a lot of times they might be absolute. Um, we're looking at a project like that right now. But what you're going to find in the triple nets is that you're essentially responsible for the, the building and the grounds that that the companies are in. Otherwise, they're really responsible for the taxes. They're responsible for the roof, all the capital expenditure roofs. They're responsible for basically all HVAC, all the other things that they would need over time as taxes go up or as roofing costs and all that stuff. It actually is not us that are taking care of that. A lot of that is being passed on to the tenants because they fully uh, are, when it comes to industrial, a lot of them are understanding like, hey, we're flying on our own. We're doing our own thing. We just want to make sure that uh, we just have good a good facility and otherwise they want us to get out of the way. But to your point, another way that we actually really try to mitigate not not falling behind in certain aspects is that most of our leases have one or two ways that they're written. They're either written where there's a four percent escalator annually, or they're written with a fifty cent bump every year. So one of the things that's nice is that we can project out, especially like right now. I think we're looking at a ten year lease. On one of the buildings that uh, we're looking here at where what we're seeing is that we can pretty much when we look at our Port Forma, it's really easy for us to plug all those numbers in because we know exactly what the increases are going to be. So we can plan around that pretty early on. So for us, it's not going to be again, we don't get to jump as big, but it's something where it's so steady that it allows us to have a really de-risk type of a project that we get into. Mm-hmm.
0: And that was fifty cents per square foot. Is that how that's yeah. calculated? I assume that is correct.
1: Yes, fifty yeah, cents yeah. per square foot. Yes, yeah. Sometimes I forget yeah, that the- multifamily's doors versus square footage.
0: Yeah, no. And actually, the name of the show is Invest in Square Feet. That's something that I absolutely harp on people because there's a lot of mistakes made there where people compare. Well, we've got a a, a fifteen hundred square or a fifteen hundred dollar apartment down the road, and we've got our apartment is only a thousand dollars we should be able to get $1,500 for our apartment, right? But they're not taking into consideration the size, right? Right. So you have to do a a square foot calculation to be able to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. You might have a much smaller apartment than what is down the road. So yeah, so that makes perfect sense. Um, What about, so you're talking about industrial type assets. Uh, What falls into that, right? There's warehousing, there's like machine shop type situations. What all is compiled into this industry as a whole.
1: It's funny, because I was—I actually was speaking at a, an engagement not too long ago here, and it was it was right after a multi-family speaker was on there, and I go, that's perfect, because he just covered everything we're not. Otherwise, we're pretty much all the rest of the stuff. So when you think about industrial, a lot of times people just think of the heavy manufacturing, but it's not that. It can be anything from outdoor storage to, to the storage facilities, yards, this could be, you got industrial flex, so you have your different uh, types where you have things in the bottom and, and living up top, um, different retail shops, sorry, at the bottom. And then you also have, what we like to really play in a lot is where you like, you have your middle of the tier facilities that can handle a lot of, because one of the things that we see is that there's a lot of people that have great ingenuity in minds and so they're creators, right? So they're gonna typically need things in that three to 5,000 square feet. It's a really sexy area. Then you're gonna have another area where it's closer to that 10,000 square feet. So when you're looking at it, it's, it's really encompassing of all types of stuff. The main thing is that when I think of industrial is you're, you're really gonna be also focusing a lot on clear height because that's going to determine what exactly the functionality of that facility might be. So when you're talking about these bigger, large manufacturing that are north of 100,000 square feet, you're going to be really worried about that twenty. You want to be in that twenty plus clear height because you're going to be storing a lot of things and moving a lot of different product. But if you are looking at more of a, something that's less than thirty thousand square feet or twenty thousand square feet, you might be really only worried about twelve to sixteen feet of clear height, which the changes the functionality there as well. Again, so it really a, a lot of it is a lot of different types of product is falls into industrial. And that's one of the things I always laugh because a lot of people only think it's one thing, but it's actually encompassing a lot of different ones. Yeah.
0: When you go through and you qualify an opportunity, so when we look at multifamily or when anybody looks at multifamily, there basically are, uh, looking around the neighborhood again we just touched on this what are they getting for rent down the road and then you compare like amenities and all of that type of stuff is it similar for industrial where you're you know basically looking to compare what other square footages or like how does that work from just from a qualification standpoint that yes we're able to purchase this square feet for this price and we know that we can rent it out for this price right are there is it very similar type process or Talk a little bit about that identification. A
1: little bit. Yeah, there there is a lot of similarities there. You are looking at comps is one of the things that you are looking for, but for us, we p- focus primarily of price per pound per area, right? And so that's a really big gauge as to letting you know, okay, am I buying in the right in the right zone that I should be in? And and that can be very determinate too by lo- location because an industrial location is. I know in mo- in multifamily and when they say in single family, it's location. But location in that way of thinking is a little bit different for us. It's really about access points, right? Where you're thinking about are you close to a freeway? Are you close to a port? Are you like how easy is it for, for traffic movement and patterns to actually take place? So you have to really look at all these different factors, right? So you're looking at the price per pound in the comps, you're looking to see about how you how close you are within in, in the movement of flow, because even though you might be the exact same square feet as someone down the road. But if you're way further, if that one is way down, further down the the highway and it's harder to get access points to, that's going to drive the price substantially, actually. So we really try to be very cognizant of what exactly is the functions of these facilities and how easy that flow of traffic can be. And the closer you are to, to freeways and access points, the more you're going to be able to have a desirable product. Mm-hmm. What about...
0: You, you started to go through some of those, like the ports and the freeways and railways. Are, is there some that are more desirable than others? I would imagine that, I guess maybe it depends on what type of product it is that people are, are producing, maybe. I don't know. What's the? I guess what's the desirability or what's the, the most desired um, location when it comes to being in close proximity to that transportation?
1: Yeah, it's gonna. What I'm finding more and more is geographically based because if you're going to be closer, let's just use we were just down in New Orleans for a, for a retreat. If you're in somewhere in that area, you're going to notice that because of the waterways and the and the and the things that are close and accessible there, ports are going to be more important. But like you say, you're in in Arizona, that's going to be a little bit different. You're going to want to be closer to access points to the highway. So it's really going to be dependent on geographic and also use back to your point. So what we're finding is that if we're going to be going, getting back to that onshoring and bringing stuff back and more manufacturing in America and our neighboring partners, now you're also going to have to think about borders and you got to think about where are the important arteries of the country. So there are parts of the country where you might only be able to impact about 5% of the country. There are other areas because of the accessibility of the highways or the railways or whatever that might be, what opening you up, by double, triple, or even more than that. So that's where you, you, you constantly have to be thinking between, okay, what exactly is the product's functionality? What exactly is it that we're really trying to solve for? And then at what point do we have to make sure that we're really thinking really specifically about the traffic and and the logistics of things?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Where are those areas that are that give you more access. I know you said New Orleans was one. I believe you, last time that we had talked, you said Cleveland was another one because that's where Mm -hmm. I'm from. So are there other areas too that, that have that larger broad range of being able to access areas?
1: Yeah, like we're, we're out of Denver, like for us, like the I-25 corridor coming that comes out of New Mexico, up through Wyoming, things like that. Those are important ones for this part of the country where you are going to see a lot of we are actually was just again, something I was talking about yesterday was that we were thinking about where are some of the hot zones right now that we're seeing. We got places like Arizona is huge players in industrial right now because of a lot of access points that they have. Texas, you're going to have where we talked about Cleveland, New Orleans. Florida, that's always going to still have some impact. So it's really just dependent on what type of products and goods you're really working with and, and your tenant base. And then again, it's just a matter of, I, I have more specific areas, but there's one I can't mention because we're looking at that right now. But outside of that, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's pretty dependent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that that's interesting. When you're going through And let's just say that you want to get involved in industrial, right? Maybe you have a background in other areas of larger uh, real estate opportunities. What would be some of the things that you'd want to start learning about? Like some of the, are there any challenges or any things that can be a gotcha that you might not necessarily think about that's different? particularly in industrial than other areas of real estate?
1: Yeah. So if you want to get an industrial, I, I will tell you that I, I do believe that because it's a little bit different than multifamily, you're going to find that the analysis and some of the really the modeling of things are tend to be a little bit more detailed in some aspects. Don't get me wrong. I think in all asset classes of commercial, you have to do your due diligence. The That's going to be how you buy is going to have a huge impact on the end result of the project. But what I would say is that your analysis has to be pretty dialed in because one of the things you go back to what we're talking about, one of the areas I'm thinking about right now that we're looking at doing a ground up development in, if we were to do that ground up development in the wrong place, it would really be a hurtful, actually it would that'd be a mood point to, to do it. But because of location, how much traffic, what it's solving for, it really allows us to really understand that's gonna work for the performer and everything that we're thinking we, we can accomplish our investors. So I would definitely say your analysis is key. Understanding the 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 footprint more of traffic patterns of semis, understanding where storage needs are 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 lacking in certain parts of the country is really important. Um, seeing where bottlenecks of of the of highway and things like that. So you almost have to learn a little bit about logistics. You have to learn a little bit about the thinking of what these companies are trying to accomplish like i think of amazon you if you understand what amazon's doing or understand what some of these like automotive professionals are doing if you can align yourself with that kind of thinking it really helps with really understanding what your next steps could be and then i I would say that ultimately the next thing about the industrial that you really want to just really be understanding is really be boots have boots on the ground and get to know the local partnership because it really will help you. If you understand the city makeup, if you understand the brokers in the area, if you really can dig into those things, it's going to separate you uh, drastically from, and it also helps you avoid mistakes that you might make. Cause we also had one of those that we almost, thank goodness had people that helped us through those blind spots, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. How do you go about finding, and this is going right to the tenants, I've got a couple of questions about the tenants, but you mentioned like finding out how, what Amazon's going to do and understand them. And I'm not, I'm sure that they're not, you know, publishing their playbooks or anything like that. So how, what type, what kind of research are you doing to be able to understand specific companies like that and be able to somewhat determine, they just built this, so they're now they're going to need a spot over here. Like, how does that correlate into your research or how do you find out that type of information?
1: I think the the nice thing about multifamily, right? You When you start seeing there are places that have, I think of actually Austin, Texas, just as an example, we knew that there were a lot of movement from people in the coastal areas that were moving to Austin, Texas. When you realize that Tesla or other companies or things like that were thinking about going from the the coast into Texas, it makes you understand, okay, why are they doing what they're doing? So looking at some of their their research data from the standpoint of look at the news, taking advantage of really looking at a lot of reports. I like to look at CBRE and all these other conglomerates that they do publish a lot of their reportings and it's free online. So you can just go in there and download what their last quarters, what they were seeing, who was moving in, what types of leases were getting done. So understanding, like again, doing the it, it does take a little bit of legwork, but if you also are involved with some of the brokers in the area, if like I actually was was not what is it earlier in the year was in Louisville, Kentucky. While I was in Louisville, Kentucky, I heard that, hey man, there's a massive infusion of people moving down the road. Why? They're building a huge plant. So when you start understand, okay, if there's a huge infusion of housing being built. Why is that happening? So they, they almost play hand in hand, multifamily with industrial in some aspects where tra- when migration of people, there tends to be an uptick in, in, in traffic patterns or different things. So understanding wherever those migrations are happening also helps you in an industrial space by being able to take a look and be like, wait, is there something I'm missing? So you become like a detective. So be have a curious mind and really dig into the details.
0: Yeah, that's the exact same type of mentality, like you said, that you use with multifamily, right? We're we're looking for those facilities that are being built because people have to live there or live to be able to support those facilities. So one that comes to mind that... We've been watching lately is uh, in Columbus, Ohio, Intel is building like a, I think it's $30 billion facility uh, down there. They're going to have a lot of infrastructure and a lot of, be fed with a lot of raw material, raw supplies. It's basically a chip manufacturing company. I I actually, and this is actually a question for you too. So something like that, for instance, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the heck, what, chip components and all of that they're all pretty pretty small right so i wouldn't yeah. imagine that they need a lot of a lot of freight but i'm sure you know that there is a tremendous amount of things that go into something like chips like that how do you determine if it's a if it is something that is going to be supported by the by a commercial or need commercial industrial type facilities or Again, I don't know. Maybe that's all just resin or something like that goes into computer chips. So I'm just curious: is are there signs where you would say, yeah, that's a big that's a big development or a big thing that's coming in here, a big business that's coming in here? But they don't really need very much infrastructure, right? They don't need very much you know, warehousing or in, anything like that.
1: Yeah, I kind of I, I actually got to go back to a different sector arena, and then I could bring that answer that question a little bit. It's actually interesting if you think about like automotive. Uh, you always would think if you saw one dealership, it would be better to have just a standalone dealership by nothing else. And then all of a sudden, that's how you get all the customers. But what do you find most of the times is that if there's a dealership in one location, there's a concentration of dealerships. It's There's a reason for that. And it's the exact same. A lot of that same me- uh, methodology it applies in the industrial where, for example, if you make a good. Yeah, you might master making a good a certain way, but there are other items that you will need in order to support those goods. So packaging, it might be something where it could be plastic boxes. It could be something where you're thinking about, hey, if they're needing to make a shoe, they're going to need the shoelaces. So who makes those? And so what I would say is that no, most manufacturers during this time period, they're not just like picking random areas. It's also because they're trying to coincide or work with other other like kind of products or things that might support them better so i would actually say whenever i think of a massive facility going in somewhere i automatically assume what's coming next and what's going to be the next future need and if you can try to anticipate that or at least try to understand what's the thinking behind why they move. Because most people, again, they're not just going to put plop a, a big thirty thousand first or you know one hundred thousand square foot spot in a random city. They're going to be really looking at a lot of data. And so if you're if it is something where you can just put all that together, and a lot of companies are public too, so when they're making moves or certain things. Dig into that, find out, Hey, they're publishing things that are, they have to get to their investors and for the people that, that support those companies. So don't be afraid uh, to lean into some of that information.
0: And last thing, before we wrap up here, uh, how do you go about marketing these, these facilities? Right. So let's just say that you found, you found a building that you want to purchase. I'm assuming that tenants can come with the building as well. Is that the way that it works, or when you purchase this, the tenant basically vacates? How, how does the how does that part of it work first when you acquire a property with a tenant or without
1: a tenant? I'll tell you this: so for us, we don't we don't do a lot of vacant facilities. That's typically and there's a lot of a lot of risk factors involved and a lot of things about why we avoid certain products. There are times when it makes sense, but a lot of times, especially right now, it doesn't. But what you do tend to inherit a lot of. The tenants once you when you're an industrial and a reason for that is because a lot of them don't want to move. I actually would tell you right now there is a, a company right now where we actually had gone into uh, negotiations and it was all about trying to identify are they staying or are they going to have to leave. I come to find out for them to move their equipment is going to be three million dollars. Most people aren't going to be just want to throw away three million dollars to move something. So. What happens with industrial, which is really a a nice benefit, is that once there's an established tenant or a national tenant or Tennessee where there's a lot of type of, of parts or pieces being made, those are the ones that you understand that it's, you're going to, you're going to have a, a long term. I, I think of it like a marriage. <laughs> this is something someone you're going to basically be attached with for quite some time because they're not going to want to move their products and their facilities. And you have a facility that obviously is housing and, and meeting their needs. So it's a lot of communication that has to happen, especially if it's someone I'm thinking of one particular tenant that they're growing and bursting at the scene while the other tenant next door was downsizing. And so. Instead of saying, hey, let's get rid of one of these tenants, we basically try to figure out, hey, is there a way to solve it where the people that are downsizing can give the other people the square footage and now you even made, made a better business decision. And actually, that actually did get done, so we are really happy about that. And they signed on for even longer while taking up more of the buildings. Really try to play with uh, what, understand the businesses that are in your facilities because if you really understand what they're doing, you're going to have an easier time trying to maneuver those leases and really work with them. Um, but otherwise, like I said, we really try to avoid vacant because, especially during this time, tenancy, depending on the location, could be a little bit challenging. Now, if you're in a desired area, you're there. It's going to be. It's going to go pretty fast because occupancy in most of industrials in that mid to high nineties. Mm-hmm.
0: And and are, is there. A- A vertical in industrial that is hotter right now is it warehousing? Is it again like machine shops? I know you mentioned the the five thousand, the ten thousand square foot shop type areas, if you will. But I'm just curious if there's any vertical that seems to stand out as
1: the hot product today. I'm going to give away a secret here now. No, no, the the, the Uh the one of the hottest ones that I that we're looking at when we look at facilities. We also try to think about uh, something that some people kind of miss, and it's called the yard, right? Which is really what is the outdoor uh, opportunities that may be there. And so, a lot of times, too, if that you're going to be that you're going to see when you're an industrial there might be multiple facilities, and then you see equipment everywhere or things that look a little bit disarray. Some of those areas is the most desired areas to put outdoor storage. So, outdoor storage and and yards are really a high, uh, I, I would say, a high value. Add for a lot of people, plus the the opportunity to develop those, and it's not as it's not as cumbersome as trying to do a ground up build. Uh, And so, there are really a lot of benefits to looking at outdoor storage as well. Yeah, that makes sense,
0: Angel. This is really interesting. Again, this is uh, an asset class that I've wondered about for a long time and never really had the chance to ask anybody who knew what the heck they were talking about. So thanks for the time. And thanks for sharing some of the, thanks for sharing some of the secrets too. So hey, no love
1: problem, it. no problem, man. Hey, that's what I love about this. It's a team sport in, in commercial real estate. So anytime that we can cross reference or really share these type of information, I think we all get better because like I said, there's a mutual play on, on, unclass them sometimes like i said between multifamily and, and industrial that's being developed so that
0: was really enlightening i'm from cleveland ohio and of course cleveland has a lot of industrial sites here so industrial has always been on the back of my mind but i didn't really have very much insight into it so this is really an eye-opening episode for me If you wanna learn more about Angel, go ahead and check them out at keystoneadvantage.com. They also can be found at keystoneprivatecapital.com, and they also have their own podcast called Taking a Leap into Commercial Real Estate, and that's on Spotify and Apple, probably anywhere where you can find this podcast at. You can also obviously reach out to them on LinkedIn and Facebook, so just search for Angel Gonzalez on either one of those and reach out to him directly. And remember, as always, if you are a business owner who is looking to be able to grow your net worth by investing into real estate, go ahead and check us out. Investinsquarefeet.com. We're a group of business owners who are all investing together in various real estate opportunities to be able to do exactly that, grow our net worths together.